this week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we revel further in Colossians with Alive in Christ. Let no one disqualify you, things above. Mortify your members and the shape of the new life. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendures.org or your favorite podcast provider. The hymn of the day for the baptism of our Lord to Jordan came the Christ our Lord in an event that probably took less than a minute to accomplish, including the short conversation between John the Baptist and Jesus. Well, in that short amount of time, Jesus accomplished a lot of things, and a lot of things were said and confessed about Jesus at his baptism. Welcome back to Issues Etc., coming to you live from the studios of Lutheran Public Radio in Collinsville, Illinois. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. It's time to look forward to Sunday morning, according to the one-year lectionary, the baptism of our Lord. Joining us is Pastor Will Whedon, assistant pastor at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Hamill, Illinois, formerly served as director of worship for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. He's author of the books, Celebrating the Saints, Thank, Praise, Serve, and Obey, and See My Savior's Hands. He hosts a daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study produced by Lutheran Public Radio called The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. Will, welcome back. Thank you, Todd. This is one of those cases where we get kind of a three-car pileup of celebrations <laughs> in the Christmas season. Baptism of our Lord, Epiphany, what else is going on here, and how do we sort all that out? Yeah, many churches, of course, do transfer Epiphany to this nearest Sunday, and that actually used to be the practice at St. Paul some years ago, too. We would probably be observing Epiphany on this coming Sunday. But Epiphany actually falls on the Saturday, and one of the wonderful things is putting it back on its own day and letting it have its own day. But then there's this other question that arises about do you do the baptism of our Lord or do you do the first Sunday after Epiphany? So let's sort of work that out. In the Eastern Church, the tradition actually is that on January 6th, they call it the Feast of Theophany, which is like God's Epiphany, the God shining forth. And it is a celebration primarily of the baptism of Jesus, but includes also the visit of the Magi and all kinds of the miracles of Jesus that show his great power. But the focus is primarily on the water. In the Western church, the epiphany was celebrated always on the January 6th and then on its octave. So the eighth day afterward would be January 13th. That's the day that the baptism of our Lord was traditionally celebrated. My argument would be, I think it would be great if we all got back to celebrating Epiphany on its own day and baptism on its own day, and then let the Sunday after Epiphany be for the old 
readings that took place for the first Sunday after Epiphany, which focused on the sole story in the Gospel of Luke that gives us what happened to Jesus as a young teen, right? When he's 12 years old, going to Jerusalem, and how he was obedient to his parents. For Luther, this was how to preach the fourth commandment, honor your father and your mother Sunday. It was that Sunday because Jesus would come back to Nazareth being obedient to Mary and Joseph. How do we get to where we are today with uh, the Sunday after Epiphany, most often being baptism? This happened after Vatican II when Pope Paul VI gave permission to actually observe baptism, not on the octave of Epiphany, but on the Sunday following Epiphany. I think the thought there was just more people will be in church to celebrate it, and that fit with Vatican II's desire to lift up and highlight the ongoing significance of baptism for the people of God. And of course, you say to a bunch of Lutherans, hey, you want to emphasize baptism a little bit more? And they're like, we're on board with that. So it wasn't very long after Vatican II that Lutherans also began celebrating the baptism of our Lord on the Sunday after Epiphany. My just plea as, as you move forward and plan for next year is think about whether or not there's a way to get in your congregation the celebration of the baptism of our Lord, but keep the first Sunday after Epiphany for the traditional readings of that day. They're really good and well worth considering. But today we're going to talk about the baptism of our Lord indeed. The image that emerges in some of the proverbs for this coming Sunday, in particular, I'm thinking about the intro and elsewhere, is that of anointing. So anointing is biblically a distinct thing from baptism, but is Christ's baptism, and we use that word Christ, the anointed, is Christ's baptism his anointing? Yeah, I mean, when you hear the word anointed, you think of the the pouring of oil to make a priest or a king in the Old Testament, and Christ receives the Spirit in that way at his baptism, right? He, He goes into the water, and as he comes up, the Spirit is poured out upon him. Now, eternally, the Son has the Spirit poured upon him from the Father from before the time began. So the Spirit proceeds from the Father and from the Son. The Spirit is the Spirit of the Son. But this is now poured upon publicly upon his humanity, which is the way of proclaiming this man is the Messiah. This man is the Davidic king. This man is the one that was foretold by the prophets, and he will be the one who will inaugurate the kingdom of God. So uh, yeah, the way the intro, it lines it out is right on. Why is the baptism of Jesus such a big deal in the Gospels? The baptism of Jesus is the moment at which you see him moving first most decisively toward his cross. Now, at the circumcision, you already see bloodshed happening. You see him putting himself under the law. He's going to fulfill the law for us. But at his baptism, a baptism which John had on offer for sinners, this becomes the moment where Jesus is stepping down into the water and entering into that water He is bringing salvation, his presence to the water, but he is also pledging, I am doing this. I'm standing in solidarity with them in their sin, that they may stand in solidarity with me in the favor and love of my Father. When he gets down in the water of the Jordan there, he is promising, in effect, I will go to the cross and die for their sin. That is what he is doing. And so it's a huge moment in the the history of salvation, and it's such a joyous moment. And Certainly in the theology of Martin Luther, whenever he reflected on this, this is the moment when Christ actually is 
consecrating the water to be a lavish, rich, full flood, a washing away of sin. When he gets down in the water and puts himself into that water, he is opening up heaven for us right there at that point in the water. We'll see that as we get through the gospel reading. The intro is taken from Psalm 89, and it has some little liturgical text in there, plus another verse of Psalm 89. Yeah, the liturgical text probably is is a tweaking, if you will, of Malachi 3. Behold, the Lord, the ruler has come, and the kingdom and the power and the glory are in his hand. Same we had for Epiphany. And then it goes on, I found David, my servant, with my holy oil, I have anointed him. That is with the Holy Spirit. I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever. With my mouth, I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. He shall cry to me, you are my father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. And I will make him the firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. My steadfast love I will keep for him forever, and my covenant will stand firm for him. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Behold, the Lord, the ruler, has come, and the kingdom and the power and the glory are in his hand. I found David, my servant, with my holy oil, I have anointed him. So right there, you have this picture of Christ stepping into the well, remember when, when the angel came to Mary, he said to her, the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. He's going to reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom is never going to have an end. As king, Jesus is being revealed here in the water. And as priest, because of course, as I said, he's entering the water to pledge himself as a sacrifice. What is the collect of the day? The collect of the day, the modern one, is just clearly based off of the gospel reading. Father in heaven, at the baptism of Jesus in the Jordan River, you proclaimed him your beloved son and anointed him with the Holy Spirit. Make all who are baptized in his name faithful in their calling as your children and inheritors with him of everlasting life. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. I'd like to also point out that there is a traditional collect that was used on this day, and I'd like to give that as well. Grant, we beseech you, O God, whose only begotten Son appeared in the substance of our flesh, that through him whom we recognized as outwardly like ourselves, we may be inwardly renewed who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. That kind of continues with the epiphany theme of him appearing in our flesh, right? He appears in our flesh to draw us to the love of those things that are not seen, which is what constitutes that inner renewal in our lives. Both of those are great. I think the second one like will be what shows up in the Lutheran Missal Project, finally. In the first one that you read, what is the connection between Christ's baptism and our baptism? Well, his baptism is what actually consecrates the water to make the water be. I don't want to jump too far ahead here on the gospel. We're going to see the answer to that when we actually unpack what the gospel reading for the day says. But just note that in Jesus' baptism, God himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, are united with the water to save us. The first reading, the Old Testament reading, is selected portions of Joshua 3, or you can do seven verses of Isaiah 42. Yeah, and both of these are great readings for the day. 
Listen to Joshua 3, the selections. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Shinnim. And they came to the Jordan, he and all the people of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, As soon as you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. The Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And as for you, command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. And when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as soon as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan and the feet of the priests bearing the Ark were dipped in the brink of the water, now Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest, the waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan, and those flowing down toward the Sea of the Arabah, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off. And the people passed over opposite Jericho. Now the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel was passing over on dry ground until the nation finished passing over the Jordan. So you see the parallels already with the deliverance from Egypt, right? Just like the Red Sea had split apart and the people had passed through. So here when they come to the border of the promised land, the waters are divided as God enters into the water as his priests are carrying the ark. The ark is the sign of the presence of God. It enters the water, and the waters literally flee from him to, from either side, and that opens up a path for the people of God to pass safely across and into his promised land to them, a powerful type of what Jesus is getting ready to do in his baptism in the Jordan, by his baptism, he's going to open up a way. He's our new Joshua who opens up the way for us to pass through the waters of this age, this life, into the kingdom that has no end. So this is really a strong foreshadowing, prefiguring of, and taking place literally at the Jordan, of both Christ's baptism and its connection to ours. Yes, and in fact, it so beautifully points forward by having the entry into the promised land be sort of the linchpin that holds it together. And when Christ's baptism, notice it also works in the other direction, because after his baptism, he goes out into the wilderness. It's like he's reversing the experience there. Pastor Will Whedon is our guest. We'll get into the alternate Old Testament reading in Isaiah 42 after the break. Unforgiveness is a prison, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for January will help you break out of the unforgiveness in your own life. It's titled, Unforgivable? How God's Forgiveness Transforms Our Lives. This new book is published by Concordia Publishing House. Their phone number, 1-800-325-3040. Or learn more about Unforgivable at issuesetc.org. Unforgivable, How God's Forgiveness Transforms Our Lives 
the Issues Etc. Book of the Month. Where is God's mission? God's mission is everywhere. Yes, it's far away, but it's also very near. It's as near as your congregation and school, your neighborhood, your family and friends, even as near as your home. Wherever you are, God's mission is in that place. Through his mission, Christ is bringing forgiveness, life, and salvation to people everywhere, even here, right where you are. God's mission here. Learn more at lcms.org slash national mission. The Faith, Once for All, Delivered to the Saints. You're listening to Issues Etc. Our Christian faith is under constant attack, and we must be proactive in keeping our children in the church. At Faith Lutheran School in Plano, Texas, we believe that an education rooted in God's Word is one that stands against the very gates of hell. Nothing in this world is more important. Offering a rigorous classical Lutheran education, we provide in-person and live online remote learning opportunities for preschool through grade 12. To learn more, visit flsplano.org, flsplano.org. Not everyone is comfortable with new technology. Dial-A Podcast gives all generations of your congregation an easy way to hear your sermons or even devotionals and Bible studies. Once you've completed a simple one-time setup, we take care of the rest. All your congregants have to do is dial the number from any phone to listen to your latest podcast, all at no additional cost to them. Dial-A Podcast. Extend the reach of your sermons. Get started at dialapodcast.com now. To Jordan came the Christ our Lord, the fourth stanza. We're looking forward to Sunday morning according to the one-year lectionary, the baptism of our Lord. Pastor Will Whedon is our guest. Will, what do we find in that alternative Old Testament reading? The alternate reading is one of the great servant songs from Isaiah, and it speaks more about what Jesus has come to do because his baptism was the moment that he entered into his messianic office to actually save us. From the moment of his baptism, his ministry will begin. It'll begin with the time of testing in the wilderness, and then he will come back with great strength and vigor into the Holy Land. I like to say kicking demonic butt as he comes along, driving Satan out in front of him wherever he goes, and healing and doing all kinds of miracles, all leading up to, of course, the greatest miracle of all, his death on the cross for the sins of the world and then his resurrection from the dead. But in Isaiah 42, we hear, Behold my servant, that is, look at my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. Here's the key. I have put my spirit upon him, and he will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street, A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or discouraged till he has established justice in the earth, and the coastlands wait for his law. 
Thus says God the Lord who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. So Christ is proclaimed here as this great servant of Yahweh, anointed with the Spirit, with this job to do of bringing forth justice or righteousness for the whole earth. And he's not going to be doing this in some sort of a bombastic way. This beautiful picture of him, he's not going to break the bruised reed. And if a a wick is faintly burning, he's not going to quench it. He's going to be faithful in his bringing forth of justice, and he is going to establish us in that justice. And then the promise that he is the one who God has given to the nations to be the covenant. He is the covenant for the people. He's the light for the heathen, for the Gentiles. He's going to open eyes that are blind, that couldn't see the glory of God. This is what he does. He's going to do this for people, and he's going to take the prisoners of Satan, people who are bound in sin and slaves to death, he's going to set them free and bring them into his joyful promised land. All that is what the servant of Yahweh will do. And you can't read this one servant song in isolation from the others. So remember how if they start out here, they will still end up very clearly in Isaiah 53 with the suffering servant dying and bearing the sins of all. So what the servant of Yahweh does when he's anointed by the Spirit of God is he fulfills all of the servant songs all the way up to and including the crucifixion scene in Isaiah 53. What do we find in the gradual? The gradual is from Psalm 72, which is the one associated with the Feast of Epiphany. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Remember thinking of the Magi as being people from the heathen lands who are brought to faith. And so this picture of Epiphany as the time when the glory of the God of Israel shines over the whole earth and brings to it salvation. And so that's what he's being glorified for. Then if you don't do the gradual, the alternate is the Psalm, Psalm 85, which was one of the great Psalms of Advent that we saw. Lord, you were favorable to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You covered all their sin. You withdrew all your wrath. You turned from your anger. Restore us, O God of our salvation, and put away your indignation toward us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people, to his saints, but let them not turn back to folly. And then this verse is the antiphon for the psalm, so the verse that frames its use in the church's liturgy. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him. The glory may dwell in our land. Well, the glory is right there in the River Jordan with heaven opened, and as Luther would say, angels of God ascending and descending. It's a glorious moment when Jesus is uh, baptized in the Jordan. Steadfast love and faithfulness meet right. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness brings up from the ground, that is, from humanity, and righteousness looks down from the sky, that is, from God, the union of the two natures in Christ. The Lord will give what is good, and the land will yield its increase. 
righteousness will go before him and will make his footsteps away, our way, the way that we walk. We're going to follow this. You remember how the ark went down into the water and then the people had to follow into the water and cross over to the promised land. So we follow the righteousness of Jesus, the, the footsteps that he has made away for us, this wonderful way of living from the giving of the Father. So the epistle reading is from 1 Corinthians 1, beginning at verse 26. Yeah, and isn't this a great one for the day? Consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise, according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. He is the source of your life in Christ Jesus, whom God made our wisdom and our righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. This great reading points to the contradiction to human reason and thinking. When you look at the simple water of baptism and you wonder, what is so great about that? You really think that splashing a handful of water on somebody's head does something like give eternal salvation? And this epistle is like, yep, that's just like God. He chooses what looks weak and what looks pointless to the world and despised, and he uses that to instead bring the very gift of salvation itself. It's his great last laugh where he says, you know, my wisdom is greater than your wisdom, and I'll show it to you here. Beautiful tie-in to baptism itself. I should note, the traditional epistle for the baptism of our Lord is actually from Ephesians 1. Brethren, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in Christ also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You see the tie-in right away, right? who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the promised purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints through Jesus Christ our Lord. So a reading that points you especially to this belief that you are sealed in holy baptism with the Holy Spirit, just as Christ is sealed there in the water with the Holy Spirit. And through this, you come to this knowledge of the hope that you have in him, the hope of everlasting life. We're looking forward to Sunday morning, according to the one-year lectionary of the baptism of our Lord with Pastor Will Whedon. We'll have the verse from Psalm 143 and that gospel reading from Matthew 3 next. Here's an easy way for you to help us cast ChristNet on the internet. Subscribe, rate, and review the Issues Etc. podcast with your podcast provider. Type Issues Etc. in your podcast provider, hit the subscription button, and leave us a five-star review. This will make it easier for other podcast listeners to find Issues Etc. Help us reach more listeners in 2024. Subscribe, rate, and review Issues Etc. today. Luther Academy provides additional theological education for our mission partners around the world. 
specifically pastors who are asking for additional education, but do not have the necessary resources in their own church bodies. By donating to Luther Academy today, you will be supplying food, housing, books, professors, and travel for Lutheran pastors who attend our conferences. To learn more about Luther Academy and how you can donate today, visit lutheracademy.com, lutheracademy.com. A voice in the wilderness of American evangelicalism, you're listening to Issues Etc. For nearly 140 years, the Lutheran Witness has taught the faith, defended it against error, and shown forth the great treasures of the Lutheran Church and biblical doctrine. We're continuing this legacy by publishing issues and articles that help you see the world from a Lutheran perspective and that teach biblical doctrine and show forth the treasures of God's Word. Visit our website to learn more and how to subscribe, witness.lcms.org. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. Epiphany Lutheran Church in Door, Michigan, gathers to receive our Lord's gifts in Word, Baptism, and Supper every Sunday morning at 9.15, Bible study at 11. Join us at 4219 Park Lane in Door, or visit us on the web, epiphanydoor.org. Christ-centered, cross-focused, historic, confessional, liturgical, Epiphany Lutheran Church in Door, Michigan. EpiphanyDoor.org, 616-681-0791. Radio Choir with the Christmas hymn Joy to the World, playing right now on our 24-7 Sacred Music Station. You can listen to sacred Christmas music through the Epiphany of Our Lord on January 6th at LutheranPublicRadio.org, Amazon Alexa, Google Home, Apple HomePod, and the LPR mobile app, Lutheran Public Radio. We're looking forward to Sunday morning, according to the one-year lectionary, The Baptism of Our Lord with Pastor Will Whedon of the word of the Lord endures forever. Will, what is the verse for this coming Sunday? The verse is, Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. From Psalm 143, verse 10. Let your good spirit lead me is the big point. On level ground suggests the, uh, you know, the, the, the path open through the sea there for the people in the Old Testament. And then we get into the real juicy thing that's for the day, right? The gospel reading for this day. Now, again, the gospel reading that we have in our book now is from Matthew 3, and there's an alternative one that was historically used. I'll get to that in a minute. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son 
with whom I am well pleased. Now, I think to get this Holy Gospel, Todd, you just need to stop and recognize that Jesus didn't need any of that. From eternity, heaven has been open to him. It's his home. From eternity, he has been filled with the Spirit. From eternity, he has been the Father's beloved Son, and he has known that he is well-pleasing to his Father. He didn't need any of that. We needed all of that. And to put those gifts into baptism, Jesus gets down into the water. He joins himself to the water. And that means when you get into the water with Jesus, when you are baptized in his name, everything that happened to him there gets to happen to you too. Heaven is no longer shut. Remember in Genesis 3 how paradise was shut and the cherubim were placed at the gate and they had a sword turning every which way to guard the way to the tree of life. Well, now the cherubim draws back his sword. Heaven itself is wide open to those who come with the sun, who are in the sun. And not only is heaven opened, but the spirit of Jesus is poured out on those who are baptized. Do you remember how Peter preached this on Pentecost, right? They had seen the spirit poured out very visibly with the flames of fire and with the miraculous speaking in tongues on the day of Pentecost. But before the day's over and the people are wondering how they can get a piece of this action, Peter tells them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. So in the waters of baptism, what was given to Jesus is now given to us. We get to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and be born anew of him. And with that goes the adoption, so that the heavenly father then looks upon his children and he says, this is my child. And not just my child. He doesn't just say, oh, all right, I'll take you as my own. He says, this is my child with whom I'm well pleased. I love to translate that with, you know, I'm. this is my beloved son in whom I'm tickled pink. That's how the father delights in the children who are baptized into his son. Now, the traditional reading for the day is rather about the baptism than a record of the baptism from John 1. At that time, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me because he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water. And John bore witness saying, I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, upon whom you see the spirit descending and remaining on him, he it is who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the son of God. So and it's another beautiful reading for the day that works just as well too but I'm kind of partial to the reading from St. Matthew and the way that it lines it out so beautifully. I am really partial to the way Luther's hymn for the day unpacks everything that both of those gospel readings gave us. What hymn is that? To Jordan, 
came to Christ our Lord. And I just got to work through this with you. It's got one really funny thing in the middle of it. It's a great hymn. To Jordan came the Christ our Lord to do his father's pleasure. Baptized by John, the father's word was given us to treasure. This heavenly washing now shall be a cleansing from transgression and by his blood and agony release from death's oppression. A new life now awaits us. So you see how already in that first stanza, Luther's joined the cross with baptism itself. And of course, it's not an accident that when Jesus speaks of his cross, he speaks of it as a baptism to be baptized with. Then it goes on, Oh, hear and mark the message well, for God himself has spoken. Let faith, not doubt, among us dwell. And so receive this token. Our Lord here with his word endows pure water, freely flowing. God's Holy Spirit here avows our kinship while bestowing the baptism of his blessing. Then he turns to the actual events of the gospel that we just heard. These truths on Jordan's banks were shown by mighty word and wonder. The Father's voice from heaven came down, which we do well to ponder. And this is where it gets kind of funny. This man is my beloved son in whom my heart has pleasure. Him you must hear and him alone and trust in fullest measure the word that he has spoken. Do you see the oops? Luther conflates the transfiguration account, which is very similar to the baptism account, with the baptism And so the words that the father speaks at the transfiguration, him you must hear, him alone, he puts into the actual account of the baptism itself. I sang it for many years and never even really noticed that he had done that. Those two accounts are so similar. But then he goes on, there stood the son of God in love, his grace to us extending, the Holy Spirit like a dove upon the scene descending, the triune God assuring us with promises compelling that in our baptism he will thus among us find a dwelling to comfort and sustain us. And frankly, I hear in that entire hymn that Luther is unpacking here, up to this point, you hear these words that ring from the great flood prayer. Through the baptism in the Jordan of your beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, you sanctified and instituted all waters to be a blessed flood and a lavish washing away of sin. You hear it in that stanza that we just considered. He goes on though, to his disciples spoke the Lord, go out to every nation and bring to them the living word. And this my invitation, let everyone abandon sin and come in true contrition to be baptized and thereby win full pardon and remission and heavenly bliss inherit. But woe to those who cast aside this grace so freely given, they shall in sin and shame abide, and to despair be driven. For born in sin, their works must fail, their striving saves them never, their pious acts do not avail, and they are lost forever, eternal death their portion. That's a really harsh word of law, though, on those who would take the gift of baptism and toss it away as a nothing, those who would not believe the promises that God has made them there in the water. Then he returns to the miracle of baptism and says, All that the mortal eye beholds is water as we pour it. Before the eye of faith unfolds the power of Jesus' merit. For here it sees, faith sees, the crimson flood to all our ills brings healing. The wonders of his precious blood, the love of God revealing, assuring his own pardon. So as you look at that beautiful last stanza, you get this picture of the water of baptism actually being crimson. It's red with the blood of Jesus. And 
faith sees that blood in the water and knows that that's the power that is cleansing us in holy baptism, the holy blood of Jesus. So let's do some summary here of what we have found in these propers for the baptism of our Lord. This is the inauguration of Christ's ministry. This is his designation by God himself. Anyone who could have heard those words, there would be no doubt that this is in fact the Son of God and the Lord's Messiah. And so the, the promised king of David's line, this is the king, this is Israel's king. It's an inauguration of a ministry. It's a recognition of who he is, a divine recognition. And it's a royal anointing. A royal anointing. Packs a lot of stuff into a little event that probably took no more than 30 (laughs) seconds to accomplish. Probably. And let's add one more thing with that summary. Remember, it's also a priestly event because he is coming as the priest who is going to offer the very sacrifice of himself on Calvary's altar. That's what he's coming to do. When John wanted to stop him, it's like, whoa, 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 what what are you doing? This is for sinners. And Jesus insists on plowing on ahead. He tells John, this is how we are going to fulfill all righteousness, me by being baptized by you. This is how we will make a perfect righteousness on the earth for all people to live in forever. I'm going to put my unbroken yes to the will and ways of God into the water so that it can be given perfectly to all of those who are baptized in me. Pastor Will Whedon is our guest. We're looking forward to Sunday morning, according to the one-year lectionary, the baptism of our Lord. On the other side, how do we get from Jesus' baptism to our baptism without leapfrogging the cross? This week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we revel further in Colossians with Alive in Christ. Let no one disqualify you, things above. Mortify your members and the shape of the new life. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendures.org or your favorite podcast provider. What does it mean to inwardly digest God's Word? Find out in Pastor Will Whedon's column in the latest Issues Etc. journal. We'll send it to you for free. Just click the red journal subscription button in the right-hand column at issuesetc.org. In the Wittenberg Trail feature, Dr. John Warwick Montgomery tells his story of finding confessional Lutheranism to be the most scripturally faithful theology. The free online Issues Etc. journal, issuesetc.org. Casting Christ's Net on the Internet. You're listening to Issues Etc. Memoria Press's award-winning Latin programs have successfully taught hundreds of thousands of students across the world. Their easy-to-use, step-by-step Latin curriculum provides students with an academic vocabulary, a mastery of English grammar, and strong critical thinking skills. If you're interested in learning more, visit them at memoriapress.com. And use the coupon code LPR24 at checkout. Memoria Press, saving Western civilization, one student at a time. When pastors talk about us, they say ad crucem. When laity mention us, they say ad crucem. When telemarketers call us, they say ADC Rucam. But a Luther Rose by any name will smell as sweet. Ad crucem is the place to go 
for greeting cards and artwork, jewellery and ornaments, housewares, church certificates, church banners and much more. Visit adcrucem.com. That's A-D-C-R-U-C-E-M dot com. For your next family vacation, consider Our Beach House, a charming three-bedroom vacation rental on beautiful Siesta Key. Just off Sarasota, Florida, Siesta Key Beach, consistently voted America's best, is just 100 steps away. Whether you're watching the sunset over the Gulf of Mexico or frolicking in the warm surf, you and your family will fall in love with Siesta Key. Check us out at SiestaKeyRentalGenie.com or call Virginia at 941-266-1858. The Evangelical Lutheran Church holds that it is God who raises up men to serve His Holy Bride through His Office of the Holy Ministry. At Concordia University, Chicago, we prepare men to take the first step on the path by which God leads them to his pastoral office. Are you ready to take the step? I'm Dr. James Ambrose Lee, Chair of the Division of Theology at Concordia University, Chicago. Learn more about the pre-seminary program at CUC by visiting cuchicago.edu. cuchicago.edu. That's the final stanza of the hymn, To Jordan Came the Christ Our Lord, the hymn of the day. For this coming Sunday, the baptism of our Lord, we're looking forward to that Sunday with Pastor Will Whedon, according to the one-year lectionary. Pastor Whedon is host of the daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study produced by a Lutheran public radio called The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. Well, we've talked about this several times over the years, but when the subject of baptism comes up, but Dr. Jeff Gibbs often warns that we do not want to get from Jesus' baptism to our baptism without passing through the cross. Right, right. You have to have the connection with Jesus' baptism into our sin. I like to put it like this. In his baptism, his perfect obedience is placed into the water for us. On his cross, he takes all of our disobedience and owns it as his own. So these two sides of Christ's obedience, his passive obedience under the wrath of Almighty God— against all sin and his perfect obedient fulfilling of the law in every detail. All of these are both joined together in the baptism that he commands. The baptism that he consecrates at his baptism is joined to the baptism he fulfilled on the cross, is joined to the baptism he tells his disciples to go out and give to every nation. I'm going to you know, let Luther have a, have a, have a gander at that because I, I love how he puts it. He says, in other words, in order that poor sinners might come to righteousness and be saved, you must now baptize me. That's what Jesus is saying to John. For I have, for the sake of sinners, become a sinner and must fulfill that which God imposed upon sinners in order that they may become righteous through me. I just love how Jesus explaining that to John in Luther's words is opening up this picture of him standing in solidarity with us, Jesus as the sinner, the great sinner, the one who grabs hold of all human sin and owns it before the Father so that we might be forgiven in him. 
Can I give a few more Luther things running that? I mean, they're, they're sort of, you, you asked for a summary and Luther doesn't do a good job of summarizing here. He says, for we see how God in heaven pours out his grace through his son's baptism. Heaven, which before was closed, is opened by Christ's baptism and a window and a door stand open for us to see through. No longer is there a barrier between God and us since God himself descends at the Jordan. The father lets his voice be heard. The son sanctifies baptism with his body. The Holy Spirit descends in the form of a dove. Is not this a great manifestation, a truly great sign of how very precious baptism is to God that he does not abstain from it? And then he adds, thus the Godhead in all its fullness, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit was manifested on this day in profoundest graciousness and friendliness, each person of the Trinity clearly distinguished so that everyone might know what and how to believe concerning God, especially what his stance toward Christ should be. For whoever holds to Christ accepts his word and trusts his work and cannot be an enemy of God. And then what I really love, I mean, do you remember in, in German, Epiphany is called Dreikönigsfest, the Three Kings Feast, right? Luther's playing with that. He says, Learn, therefore, to esteem this festival highly. The star given to the wise men was a manifestation, too. But this has a much more wonderful manifestation. For here, the three preeminent kings, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, are all present as Christ is baptized. Do you not see what seasoning God has thrown in the water? Why then should we separate the word from the water here? And call it poor water as though God's word, yes, God himself, were not in and with that water. Not so. For God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are in and with the water. As at the Jordan, where Christ stood in the water and the Holy Spirit hovered overhead while God the Father preached with all. He kind of wraps up saying each and every sinner needs baptism so that his sin might be washed away. Whoever is in death needs baptism, that death might be swallowed up. For baptism has God given power to cleanse from sin and to bury death. Upon this, we are baptized. And even though we have fallen into sin and have done wickedness, yet will our baptism and its promise remain firm and sure. Only we need to repent and not to persist in sinning. For these two things are mutually exclusive, to yearn for forgiveness and then to cling to our sins and refuse to leave them. Just love that. Beautiful. Beautiful unpacking of baptism from Dr. Luther. Puts me in mind of maybe there's a corollary here that Christ's death to our death is as Christ's baptism to our baptism. Yeah. Because he bears our sins in his death and we have all of our sins forgiven and we, so we face death with utter confidence. He takes our sins in his baptism. He takes away our sins in our baptism. So they're, they're very different things, but they cannot be disconnected from one another. Right, right. They, they really are tied together. And frankly, th th I love that point that, that you said from Gibbs with the focus on the cross. I think that's actually the key to getting why baptism is such a joyous reality. Everything that he won for you on the cross, he gives to you in the waters of baptism. Luther, of course, taught as the church has from the, the apostles that infants are to be baptized. And we actually had a listener question about this on the program some weeks back. And I think they were saying, someone approached me and tried to kind of argue against infant baptism by saying, well, Jesus wasn't baptized as an infant. What would your response be to that? 
I would certainly say good observation. Jesus was not baptized as an infant. Instead, he was circumcised as an infant. And Paul likens circumcision to baptism also in Colossians 2, right? Baptism is to Christianity what circumcision is to Judaism. And that gift could be given to a little baby eight days old. Jesus received that gift as an eight-day-old baby. In the same way, holy baptism can be given to children who are very young. Peter was actually explicit on it. The promise is for you and for your children. He could not have said it any clearer. And in Acts, we have these whole households being baptized. Think about that. This was long before the days of uh, buying birth control. You know, you could hardly imagine a house in which there weren't some little children growing up and all baptized. You know, Acts 16, the, the Philippian jailer, beautiful story of that there. So I think we need to be very open to the reality that if baptism is a new birth and your first birth took place without your knowledge or consent, then your second birth can also take place without your knowledge or consent. It is the gift to you of a new life. You can throw that life away, but it's given to you as a gift of grace. And so it totally can be given to an infant too. And the church has done so from the beginning. I just love the fact that at the beginning of Matthew with Christ's baptism, the Trinity shows up literally. And at the end of Matthew's gospel, when Christ hands baptism to the church as a means of making disciples of all nations, again, the Trinity is in very clear view. Yeah. And in fact, if you pull out the infancy narrative, which are kind of like in Matthew is a prelude to the gospel itself, then from the baptism to the command to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you have a Trinitarianness framing the entire gospel of St. Matthew. And I think that's vital. Baptism is there to bring to you the, well, as the one hymn put it, the worlds of light that live inside the Trinity and the beautiful Easter hymn, Joy to the Heart. So this idea that In baptism, he's joining you to himself. That's what he's giving you. He's going to make you be his temple. He wants to fill you up with his life by pouring his spirit upon you, who brings you to Christ that Christ may present you to the Father. This is the gift and joy of holy baptism, and it's what we celebrate on the great feast of the baptism of our Lord. So finally, how does the baptism of our Lord, whether it falls on a Sunday or not, kickstart the Epiphany celebration? Ah, Because Jesus is bringing down into this material world the very gift of eternal life for all people. So we're going to see that the baptism he commands at the end goes out to all nations. All peoples are to receive it. Throughout the season of Epiphany, you're going to be hearing about how the grace of God continues to reach out and bring more and more into the joy of Christ. Isaiah pictures this so beautifully in the Old Testament reading that we had on Epiphany from Isaiah 60 about how the light is shining and the light that's shining through the baptism of Christ is a light that gathers to itself all the nations. And they come also bringing the Jews with them, all the nations and the Jews. It's not like God is replacing the Jews with other nations. He's inviting them all together to come home to him in his son. Pastor Will Whedon is assistant pastor at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Hamill, Illinois, formerly served as director of worship for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. He is author of the books, Celebrating the Saints, Thank, Pray, Serve, and Obey, and See My Savior's Hands, and he hosts the daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study produced by Lutheran Public Radio called The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. Well, thanks. Thank you. 
Folks, LCMS stewardship has encouraged Lutherans to spend 1% of every day, that's 14 minutes, in God's Word and prayer. You can do this by listening to Pastor Will Whedon's daily 15-minute Bible study, The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. Pastor Whedon is currently leading a study on the book of Colossians. You can listen at thewordendures.org, the Lutheran Public Radio mobile app, or your favorite podcast provider, The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. Thursday on Issues Etc., we'll find out why Dr. Jordan Cooper isn't Roman Catholic. We'll discuss how Jesus uses his holy law not only to diagnose our sins, but also our internal sinful condition. Our guest will be Dr. John Bombaro, and we'll visit with Dr. Ted Kober, author of our book of the month, Unforgivable, How God's Forgiveness Transforms Our Lives. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for listening. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc., is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. I am beautiful because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am accepted because I'm a part of his family through Jesus' shed blood. Unity Lutheran School in East St. Louis, Illinois, shines the light of Christ in one of the most impoverished cities in America. Learn how to support their mission work at unityesl.org. Unityesl.org. Today, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I say yes to God in His ways. The grace of God, the church's music, the Lord's Supper every service every Sunday, Preaching Christ crucified and risen, our hope for years to come, there is hope in St. Louis, Hope Lutheran Church, that is. 5218 Neosho Street, St. Louis, Missouri. Find us on the web at hopelutheranstl.org.